it's getting me in the mood for traveling to WWDC and being at the, you know, the place where history is made. New Apple TV. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> this is the year. See, this is this is my problem. Is that I've been telling myself for so long that this is the year, and then every year I like talk myself out of it. I'm like saying, no, Jake, manage your expectations. Don't be over optimistic. Don't be such a kind of get carried away with the excitement. And so this year, I'm thinking, I like I have that voice in my head going, you know, they did so much last year. This is just going to be little iterations on the existing stuff. We've no got, way. We've this got is the a year. brand new product category. This is the year. We've got a brand new product category. There were major changes in iOS 8 with like extensions and today extensions and share extensions and key third party keyboards. And like, we can't expect that every year. It's just going to be business as usual. But then the other little voice in my head, the optimistic bit goes, but they did amazing stuff last year. Maybe they'll do amazing stuff again this year. Maybe it'll be like doubling down on Amazement. surprising people. <laughs> Amazement. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, Maybe the car is ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> drive a car and <laughs> no, there's no onto car. the stage. That'd be good. There's no car. Not not yet. There's no car yet. And I then Tim's so. just going to stand up the front going, and you get a car, and you get a car. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're confusing Tim Cook with, with Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were times. So reading on um, reading this Steve Jobs book at the moment, it's reminding me that there were times when Apple did like gave away hardware. Yeah, the last one was a camera, right? The iSight. An iSight camera. Yeah, yeah but like, that was that was back in the day thing. of like of Apple who wanted you to come to Dub Dub and like had to bribe people, had to to bribe people to turn up. Like that's I don't take that into account. This is this is new. This is Apple like on top Apple where you know they don't they're not going to give you anything more than what you like than what you've paid for. So Guess no, who's no going to IO? No car for you. Swag Central. That's going to be me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what IO swag is there? I don't what know. Last they year they like gave out watches and some augmented reality <laughs> headset thing. And so you're going to get like a Google Glass and some, a new yeah, Android Wear watch and a Google car. You watch. And you watch, they, they, they're not going to give you anything. <laughs> and they got, they just, they right. required Boston Robotics, didn't they? You're going to get like a, a robot butler. Oh, of course. How this did they not insanity. think of that? Of course. That's going to be they good. Can, they can manage all terrain and yeah. fall, can stand up if you kick it over. Yep. Did you guys see the Boston Robotics videos? Yeah. No. Yep. Oh my God, weren't they freaky? We used to watch them at uni and it is scary. It is like, it's like stuff out of a video game, you know, like. It's of the post-apocalyptic nuts. world where robots have killed everyone, yeah. and yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it's okay because now they're working for Google. I saw that little clip at the end of um at the end of Battlestar Galactica. Does that count? Yeah, what was that again? I, I, there was a, there was a clip at the end of Battlestar Galactica where they show they show the the advancements in robotics because yes, spoiler right. spoiler alert. Battlestar Galactica occurs within Earth's history, and we are all Cylons. And so they're showing that okay. the, this is coming okay. again. You so didn't tell me you were actually going to spoil the whole show for me. I just, you like, were ever going to watch? I want to take my headphones off. <laughs> I said spoiler alert. What more yeah, do you but want? There's like, there's you know, spoiler alert. By the way, she's a he. Okay. Yep. No one got that reference. Um, yeah. Okay. That's probably the same. What is that a reference from? Because I should know that one. Crying, crying game. Oh no, don't remember. Okay. So the at the end of the at the end of the show, after they should have stopped, 
there's a clip where they show a bunch of advances in robotics and then yeah we see then yeah there's this a whole scene about you know essentially suggesting that the human cylon thing is going to happen again because that's the whole it's the whole crux of the show it's you know it's happened what has happened before will happen again there you go is but the thing they show at the end of that show is it real so the the clips of robots yes there is clips of real robots uh obviously obviously the rest of the show is is fictional or is it (laughs) 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 so hey welcome to mobile couch this is a show where we talk about mobile development and this show is hosted by jake mcmullen hello and Ben Trangrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. This is episode number 57, and uh, it's supported by our amazing patrons over on Patreon. That is quite a mouthful. So speaking of robots, the videos for NSConf were released, and there's actually two talks on robots there. Really? On robots? Yeah, at- yeah I know not really related to... Mobile development, but still. Well, isn't NSConf like a Coco or at least something related to that conference? Yes, well, think- great great segue, Jelly, because I think one of the talks is actually <laughs> called Coco with Robots. <laughs> hey, ah, that's nice. cool. So you, the robot brings you Coco? It's like a butler robot <laughs> that brings you hot chocolate? I think he's talking about like Coco APIs, not Coco. Oh, right. So you can actually program robots in Coco? Well, well. Uh, this talk was a guy that I should look it up because it's not on my list. I've got a list of the best talks. Okay, so the video is called Coco and Robots by Talon Pince. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, and yeah, what he did was he has a, I believe he used an Arduino, either an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi to power right. basically a base station tank style device. Like you can imagine. Uh, computer sitting on top of two tank treads that can drive around. Wally, and then he mounts an iPod Touch. Wally, like, like Wally, because <laughs> yes. Wally uses an iPad, an iPod <laughs> to to watch his movie he sound does. song. He uses yes. an iPod. Yeah, this is the start of the yes. future. Oh my gosh! And also, Wally uses the Apple startup sound. Doom. He does. Talon Pence is making Wally. I think that's what the whole talk oh is gosh. about. Oh but anyway. Gosh. He has an iPod that he mounts, so he runs an app on the iPod, and he also uses the camera from the iPod, which is pretty cool. And then using Bluetooth, he can talk to the the tank treads, basically. That's and awesome. by memory, that is by cool. memory, he also had the mount could be like it was able to be actuated, so he could talk to that as well. And he had a lidar, I think. I think he was using a lidar. And he was mapping his office, basically, and his future plan is that he'll be able to click on his computer and the robot will drive to that point in the office. And get him Coco. And get him Coco one day. So just to be clear, the code that was moving the robot around was not Coco. It was running on an Arduino, so probably C or something, right? I don't think he actually specifically said which parts lived where, but the way I understood it is the code to decide where to go was Coco. Or at least Objective C running on the iPod Touch. Yes, and then he just sends like left tread forward, right tread forward via Bluetooth to a yep. basic That's program cool. on an Arduino. That which is kind it. of the way that uh, that like um, iOS talks with uh, Bluetooth peripherals anyway, right? Like that's how exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, they all, all yeah. they all have their own 
OS of sorts to you know control them. Yeah. It's just that uh, they send directions to the the peripherals or get them from the peripherals. Yeah, that's cool. In this case, the peripheral is just a robot. So you said you had a list of like six videos or something, right? I got seven. Seven of my favorite seven. talks from NS Conference. Rusty would seven. be pleased. And one of them was a robot talk. And one of them, yes, another one includes robotics. Okay, I got to hear about that as well. Okay, so the the other robotic video is more of a general look at our future in the industry of software development or the industry and the world as a whole. It's called The Last Job, and it's from the CEO, I believe that's what he calls himself, of Martian Craft, Kyle Richter, and it's called The Last Job, and it's like this super scary look at the way the world is heading and it talks all about how we're automating every job basically and how in isolation it just sounds like a really good idea like these self-driving cars like cars that never crash truck drivers that never get fatigued because they can just drive 24 hours a day it doesn't matter robots don't get fatigued and in isolation all these things sound good until we've literally automated everything and then what do we do like we'll have nothing left to do we all go to the beach while our robot butlers bring us cocoa. Yeah, but where do we get the money for? Like, how do we get money to... We won't have jobs. Hmm. Whoa. I feel. I, I don't feel like that, that, that is uh, something that is going to happen in the near future. Oh, well. I, we're just, it's predicted... Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the exact number. There's a number in the talk when at the current yeah. rate we're going when every job will have been outsourced and it's within our lifetime. Hmm. I yeah. think it was 2040. The problem is that somebody has to like the the way that that has typically worked in the past is that you build like you build something to automate a task and then your task becomes not doing the task but automate but supervising uh, the well maintaining the thing that does the task. Yeah, so but what makes you think sh- the robots won't maintain themselves? Well, maybe I got to warn you. You're walking. You're walking right into his talk. Like that's how yeah, okay. he. That's his intro. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just have to. Uh, I just. I guess I'll just have to watch. It's. It's a really good video. There's also a, another video on the same topic by CGP Gray, who's a YouTuber. You might have heard of. He does the same sort of talk. It's both are worth watching because they're scary and totally believable, but not really related. I'm trying to remember. Recently, I became aware of a story about a large manufacturing company that automated much of its operations and continued employment and i can't remember who i think it was intel that would be cool anyway in terms of that talk being one of your favorites uh it doesn't sound particularly uplifting is it really depressing do i need to be in a particular mood to watch it or is it just interesting well it depends on how you look at it so the talk is called the last job and so you can be confident you probably chose the right industry because we are probably going to be the last ones to be automated Employed. because we are implementing some software developer is going to hit run on the last robot, basically the last automation task. So we chose the right industry was basically the sort of yeah that doesn't sound the uplifting. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the last the last job is going to be probably setting like setting in motion the task of of maintaining all of the other tasks task acting. Things. The robots are going to maintain themselves. Robots building robots. The point is, like, eventually we'll automate programming. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, right? And thinking. And thinking and everything. Anyway, let's not get stuck on, on robots. <laughs> let's move on to... Because you've got other talks, and they're probably more uh, more relevant to mobile development. Yes, okay. So my next pick 
for the best talk, and I'll pick one that's a bit more relevant, uh, was Marco yep. Arment's talk. So Marco did a talk on iOS app marketing for small developers and kind of tackles the question of, you know, everyone just says it's successful because he's Marco. Like, of course, Marco's app sell. He's Marco. Look, I, I haven't seen that talk, right? But I think I saw a summary of it on Twitter where someone said, you know, strategy for successful marketing, become internet famous and have a huge number of followers create a podcast with a huge number of listeners and then create an app and tell your followers and listeners about it. Is that the strategy? No. Well, okay. it sort of became, like he admits, I don't think he actually admits this in the talk. It might have been from another maybe ATP episode, but he admits like being internet famous gave him a good launch day. Like there's no way around that. But who can blame the guy? Like as if you, like he still had to become famous, right? Yeah. Good on him. It's basically my yeah. opinion on that. And he's like, people give him crap because like he's famous and yet, you know, that obviously makes him successful. But there are other people who have been successful before they've been internet famous. So it doesn't just take fame in order to get, like to set up a good, you know, product. You, you can do it without having internet fame. Oh, damn. Yeah. I think I think regardless of whether he's internet famous or not, he's got like the the video, he, like the talk he gave had had some pretty good points. I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, so definitely they, they worth definitely watching. helped. I think they I think they definitely helped because that's the only that's the only video I've watched so far. Cool. I'll have to check it out. I think that that's an interesting topic at the moment in the sense of I don't know if you guys have been following earlier this week. The developer launched a Mac app called Redacted. Yeah. Sam. Softes, softies, softies, or something, yeah. And it, he went to number eight in the Mac App Store on day on launch day with ninety seven sales. Yeah, but that speaks more to the failure that the, that is the Mac App Store than to his internet fame. No, so oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking it. about internet fame at all. I guess um, the importance of marketing. I guess the business of being an indie app developer and getting an audience for your app, I think is more relevant than ever. Um, oh, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's so much out there. This, this, this is the issue with, with creating content, which is all an app is, right? And this is exactly the same problem that we face with Mobile Couch. And it's just simple, simply that there's so many people that are vying to create content. You have to find a way to set yourself apart. Part of setting yourself apart is making a good product. and mm. But that's... Like you can make a good product and it will never get picked up, yeah. Um, because the other another part to it is marketing, and yeah. if you if you do if you do both well or rather well enough, you'll that's that's how you get a successful product is mm. by doing marketing and a good product. Mm. But I won't go into any more than that because you need to watch Marco's talk. I, I will I think watch he has his some talk. very good points because it's something that I know very little about and I'd like to know more about. I feel like it's such a mystery to me. Yeah. Okay, so the next one. Uh, was called Expert of Nothing by Jessie Cha. And she gave a talk on a lot of things, but mainly it was about perception and how different people perceive things differently to you. And there's some really, really good stuff in there about gender perception as well. And she gives some like real-world examples from her life. She's got some statistics from, for example, listening to she was on a podcast and she, they tallied up their feedback and it goes over like common complaints about maybe her voice. And so there's some, there's something like people complain her voice is too high. And then she gets complaints that her voice is too low. Like she can't win. 
no matter what she does. So that talk is really good. And she's a good presenter as well, which really helps. The whole talk comes together really well. So heads up in relation, this is kind of somewhat related. Um, she is actually putting on a conference alongside of Dub Dub yeah. in June called Layers. I think it's Layers. Yes. I think it's just called Layers, which is a design conference. Oh, fantastic. kind of works. So now, nice. now you can go to San Francisco around Dub Dub and you can go to Dub Dub or you can go to AltConf, which is usually about development. Alt Dub Dub DC. there's Layers. Oh, no, they changed the name to AltConf, That's, didn't they? Sorry. Yeah, it's AltConf. Anyway, we'll put links to yeah, both cool. of those. Both what if you want to go to all of them? Well, well, you're going to have trouble because you're going to be pretty busy going to just one, especially if you're going to Dub Dub. Which I am. Yeah, so uh, I'd suggest probably just stick to what you've you've got because that's probably a pretty full schedule anyway. Probably. Yeah. Maybe they could do one at night time and one during the day. don't think that's how it works. Well, there's so many things on at night as well. That is a busy week. Yeah, very busy week. I'm so excited. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nice. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, do you guys want one that's more program-ish or... More light-hearted. You take your pick for the next one. I think it's really interesting. I'm interested to hear why you're enjoying all of these talks and just the ones that you you enjoyed the most that you thought were the best. And it's interesting to me that so far they seem to be very big-picture talks that aren't sort of into some specific area of programming. Yeah, so, well, the whole conference seemed to be like that, which I didn't know when I was going. It's very community-focused, and it's a shame because it's, it's done now, so... I'm going to explain it. It's going to sound awesome, and then you can't go. But <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, please do. <laughs> like, the whole thing was very community-focused and big picture, and they have a really good mix of a long talk and then one or two short talks. And so the short oh, nice. talks were just uh, put forward by conference attendees before the conference, so you couldn't make one up when you were there. Uh, and they tended to be more technical-focused, so someone would go up and present for 10 minutes on a topic that tended to be very related to what we do every day. And then the longer talks, not all of them, tended to be more big picture stuff and feel good and community. And and the whole the whole conference was focused around community. So instead of all sitting at, I don't know, some sort of lecture theater style tiered seating, you all sit at tables of six to eight people and there's no assigned seating. So at the start of the day, you just go and sit down and go, Hey guys, I'm Ben. Can I sit with you? You know, so you meet lots of people and all the meals are provided. Ooh. So you're always all together. There's no sort of rival events or things like that. Like what happens at Dub Dub? There's all these parties and some of them are exclusive that you can't go to. That doesn't happen in, in S conference. Yeah. But it's, it's done now. <laughs> so it's a shame. <laughs> so you can't go. Yeah. But you know, may, maybe there'll be other conferences like that. Yeah, true. I hope so. They did hint that there is something coming in the future. It just won't be in this conference as we know it. Yeah, cool. So as, as someone that has been involved with organizing a conference in the past, I can completely understand why they'd be ready to say. I mean, oh, yeah. we only did two years of Swipe conference and they've been doing eight years, something like that. I, w I, w I kind of wish that there was more here though because there's, there's a lot of conferences that happen in the States. And in and Europe. Europe tends to get a lot of them too, as well. But Europe has a lot. But the the states gets a like a lot. It feels like there's like a conference of of either design or development that's you know every other every other week. But here in Australia, like we had we had uh, swipe, and then that got swallowed up by 
Yao. Didn't get swallowed up. Yao ran a mobile-focused conference one year. Swallowed up by Yao. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that, like, that's what happened. Like, Swipe just became part of Yao. So, you know, there's that. I feel feel very weird just saying Yao over, the, over and over again. And then one more thing had to end because it was sending its organizer kind of broke. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of work involved. In organizing I understand that there's a lot of work involved, but like we get very little here. In that and I'm well, unfortunately, Australia is, is very small compared to Europe. Like you're competing with Europe. Like Europe, so <laughs> Europe is like the size of Australia with, oh, I don't know, a hundred times more people. Would that be accurate? How you can't compete with yeah. that. Like no one wants yeah. to fly to Australia. That's the perception I get when I go to America for Dub Dub, and when I go to Europe, like they'll go, wow. Australia is a long way away. I think that um, getting pit conference speakers to come to Australia is not too difficult. I think there are lots of people who are interested in a trip yeah, to Australia. Yeah, for sure. And the opportunity to speak at a conference is a great reason to travel. There's no way you're going to get an attendee to come from another country to Australia to attend a conference because it's just not worth it. That's what like, I mean. It doesn't matter like, how good the conference is. You're not going to get so And you, the have, audience to, you have to make locals. money, unfortunately. I yeah. know a lot of people hate to think you have to make money, but... You gotta like get your money back at least, and hopefully you earn a salary while you're organizing the conference. Yeah. The thing is, right? Most of the conferences that Australians go to that are overseas in the states or, or whatever are not conferences that are yeah. like third party conferences. We go to things like Dub Dub or IO, which is you know they're they're conferences that are put on by the first by first parties. Yes. About their products, so. Putting one of those on in Australia, I think a lot of people would come because oh, there's nowhere else that you can get that information. Yeah. But if you're just putting on, if you're just putting on Swipe or one more thing, yeah. which, are, which have, were both Australian conferences, there's nothing there that you can't get at another conference because they're just attend like the, the people that speak at those tend to be people that speak at other conferences. Right? Yeah, yeah. I understand your point. Um, it would be awesome if there were more first-party conferences in Australia. So I've, I've still, despite the fact that I'm super excited to have a ticket to WWDC this year, uh, I still think Apple should take more content around the world more often than they do. I think it's kind of nuts that yeah, there's one sure. opportunity once a year for a select few to travel to San Francisco to hear directly from them about things. Like Microsoft have conferences in Australia, um, TechEd. Is they've been running Tech Ed in Australia, which is a technology conference first party for years. In previous years, maybe this time around, they've got multiple conferences, like one in Melbourne, one in Brisbane, one in Sydney, so that people can go to one in a city near them. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening with with Dub Dub, unfortunately. I do, I can can see that happening maybe with Google. If if anybody's going to do it between Apple and Google, I would suggest well, that's probably. So be Apple Google have first. held tech talks around the world. Yeah, they're including not. They're not the Australia. same. They're not the same thing. It's nowhere near the same scale. It's not the same thing. At Dub Dub, they release new. They release new technologies. They, you know, they release things that you're only going to hear about them for the first time if you go to that conference yeah. or if you watch the videos from that conference. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, they've done the thing where where you can watch the videos this year, you can stream the videos, but that's not like that 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 is going to be Apple, you know, reaching out to the rest of the world. It's going to be here have the content from the from the the uh the conference, you know, because we're that we're going to hold the conference in San Francisco until, you know, until the end of days. Are you suggesting it should be like the World Cup or the Olympics? No, 
I'm just saying. I think it should I'm be just like saying World that, Cup or the that Olympics. If, if anybody's going to take their conference overseas first out of Google and Apple, it'll be Google, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. And that's, that's if it happens. It's still a big if. Yeah. Anyway, we're still getting sidetracked. How many videos have you got left, Ben? Uh, well, we've mentioned three so far, so four to go, four to go. All right, uh, the next one is called The Modern Password and You by Joel Parsons. And it's it's a short talk, so it's one of those uh, short, more focused talks, about 10 minutes long, about a feature of iOS I didn't even know existed and I wish more people used. So you, say you were writing Facebook for some crazy reason. Okay, Facebook is a bad example. Say you had a mobile service, right? Some website that you order food from, say. So you've, you've made your Instagram mobile website. Instagram for dogs. <laughs> Instagram for dogs. You don't have an app yet. Or even if you do, you've got a really good mobile website that people are using. They've signed into it, which is the important part of this. And when they go to your yep. app, they have to sign in again, right? Yeah. Which is yes. pretty normal behavior. Turns out you don't. Yes. You can share login details. Safari has a feature for shared password, basically. So you can use the session login details from Safari in your app. So your user only has to log in once. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Does it and only work with Safari or does it work with other browsers on iOS too? I believe it is only Safari because it uses... Because it'll be using keychain. keychain. Yeah. Does it work in both directions? If they sign into my app first and then visit my website, can my website pick up the login session details from the app? Unsure. Can't remember. What's that the sounds talk? cool. I think it actually might be able to, if I remember right. That's awesome. Yeah, so I think it, it just shares the keychain, like it just shares access to the keychain, that that specific part of the keychain. There's a big setup to get it working though. So Apple have gone very big on the keeping this secure, so that it you can't basically spoof your way into pretending you're the app for Facebook or whoever your website is. And yeah, so the talk enough. goes through how to set it up. It includes putting a file on the actual server, like your website server, to prove that. You are indeed what the app was expecting and all of that. So it's a bit complex to set up, but it means no password manager, no, you don't need to remember as long as you've logged in in Safari, but it just works. Still need a password manager, just just saying. Oh, no, sorry. What I mean was, say you've got your long password right in your app and everyone uses a different password manager. You have to implement a SDK from all of them to share the password into it, not if they just use the Safari one. So there's there's basically a built-in Password manager in iOS Which that is, no one uses. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody uses third-party ones. And I'm just wondering if that's like that is a common use case where you log into a website via Safari before using the app. Yeah. But, it's true. But I wonder if, if the same thing's available like from the app, right? You can just like when you log into the app the first time, you can persist the credentials into this shared keychain where subsequent sessions of that app and all the website could pick them up again. Mm. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, next talk. We'll go with Sprite Kit with Crayons by Rob Ryan, who also works at Martian Craft. So Rob gave a talk about client, the hardest clients he's ever worked with, basically, and how they just they were making a game and they just had so many ideas. Like, it was just crazy. They were never going to be able to do this within the budget or the time that it was proposed. Uh, and if you watch the video, it's pretty obvious that the clients he's talking about are his kids, and he's making a game <laughs> with his five, I think it was four four and two-year-old or, you know, very young kids, and they draw the, they basically come up with a game idea, and they draw the sprites with crayons 
on paper and he scans That's them so in cool. and they make a game together and it's and it's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. Check that because that's also just a really good talk. He's a very good presenter, so it's worth watching just for that even. All right, next talk. We'll, we'll go back to ones that are more focused and I guess useful in the day-to-day rather than feel good. So there's Somewhere Between Tomorrowland and Frontierland by Daniel Steinberg. And he's actually given this talk a few times. So you might have seen it at another conference or at a meetup or something. But it's about combining the best aspects of functional and object-orientated programming. Oh, nice. He looks at a problem, and it's a very legit problem that you go, yep, I could totally see myself running into this. And he does it the object-orientated way, and then he does it the functional way. And you're like, cool, both look good. Well, actually, the object-orientated way looks terrible, and that's half the point of the talk. So then the functional way is like, whoa, so amazing, so short, as the normal functional people say. Uh, But then he says like, but why don't we just use the best aspects from the functional one without going too crazy and move them over to the object-orientated way? And then you end up with what just looks like really good, readable code to solve the problem. Nice. And, and it's all in Swift, if you like Swift. I have a question. Yes? Isn't it oriented, not orientated? It is. I, I was just letting that go. My bad. I even, on my <laughs> I, notes, I, I wrote oriented. Just read it right. I, I was going to let it go after the first time, and then the second time. And then he said it several times more. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben. It's too early in the morning. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I do that all the time. I say the yeah, wrong words. I do as well. That sounds like a fantastic talk. I'm, that's, I think, gone to number one on my list of your recommendations. Although the one, Sprite Kit with Crayon, sounds pretty cool too. Yeah. And you'll... the robot one. <laughs> that's good. Just, just watch I, I wonder more. if I can download these and queue them up for my long flight to Dub Dub. There's only one left. And it's feedback-driven development by Paul Kafasis. Hope I pronounced that one right as well. Who is the CEO or the head of Rogue Amoeba Software House? Probably yep. heard of them. They make lots of audio products, and they just—he sort of talks how talks about how they develop their products and how they take in feedback from their users, and not just like listen to everything they say. Because sometimes you know they say, "I wish it was," or "I wish I could." record audio straight from my kids or something. But really what they want is an easier way to record things around them. That was a totally made-up example, but you get my point. So We actually talked about that recently on Topical. Yeah, you did too. So yeah, watch the talk. It's it's a really good insight into, into how they do it, and it's, it's also a very well-presented talk, very nice slides, which I think is good. Cool. And that's it. That's my awesome. list. Hooray! Hooray! It sounds like a fantastic conference. It really was. It was just, very fun. You just wish you could go next year. But there is no next year. Yeah, there isn't. But that's all right. I'm glad they, they made all the videos available. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Because they're all available for free as well on mm. Vimeo, which is really cool. So you can just go and watch them. And uh, in fact, we're going to post a link, post links to all of Ben's faves. Excellent. Aves. I can't wait. I'm going to watch them. On Route to Dub Dub. Yeah. So moving on. From conferences. Yes. We've talked way too much about conferences. I have a question. I had something I've been working on today. It's just a little thing. It's a tiny little thing, but it got me thinking, and I wanted to talk to you too about it um, to kind of sanity check to make sure I'm approaching it in a sensible way. I'm wondering if there's a better, more reusable way to approach this problem across the board. Let me explain my problem so it makes sense. Um, the specific thing I was doing today is onboarding. So. This is a bit of a thing in apps at the moment. 
and I still can't decide whether I like it or not. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I feel like I've made myself fairly clear about my feelings. You don't like it. I think it has a place, but you have to take it, like you have to apply, like it needs to do something that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. For it to be worthwhile. does It doesn't just need to say, hello, welcome to our app. Let yeah. us give you a slideshow of the top 10 features. If all you're doing is uh, is kind of papering over the fact that you're, you've are you designed your UI really badly, that's when yeah. you, then you've got to so th- rethink it. I think the case, I'm, d- I'm doing it in an app for a client at the moment because um, that's pretty much what I do, and they'd like it. And I think it's justified in the sense that... um. It's guiding people through the process of setting the app up in the first place. And one of the key features of this app is that it can show you information relevant to your location. But before it can do that, you need to give it permission to. Yep. And so it's kind of like a first run experience is, hi, this app can give you information relevant to your location. Do you want to let us do that? Or do you want to pick some locations that you're interested in rather than have us follow you? So the problem just is, like... um. Generally, my storyboard has an entry point, right? You know, a little arrow that points to the opening scene of your storyboard. If yes, you have yep. a storyboard, for example. Yes, I do know, I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and usually that starting point is like the main view controller, like a, say a tab bar controller. But onboarding is kind of this experience that sits outside of the standard UI for the app. And so this is just a question of how do you, on an app's launch, pick one of two alternate starting points. First launch you go through the onboarding, subsequent launches, you go straight to to something else. Um, and in the past, I've run into difficulties doing this because say your main view controller has some logic in it to determine whether or not it should present the onboarding or not. You can't actually do that until view maybe will appear, did appear, because you can't... Can't launch a segue. Yeah, you can't launch a segue or start the presentation of a view controller whilst you're currently being presented yourself. You've got to wait till you're fully finished your view controller, you know, instantiation lifecycle thingy before you can kick kick off another one. So this time around, uh, the approach I've taken is um, my entry point into my app in my storyboard goes to kind of a splash view controller, a launch view controller, which is um, identical to my actual launch view controller, launch storyboard. So you're now in iOS 8, you can do your, instead of a static launch image as a PNG, you can do it as a storyboard. Yes. Yeah, so basically I... have two view controllers set up in one in my launch storyboard and one in my app's main storyboard that are identical. So on launch, it shows a kind of like static-ish launch screen. And then immediately after launch, it goes straight to the first root initial view controller of my app, which looks identical to the one that was just shown during launch. And then in there, on view did appear, I can then trigger a segue to one of two different places. On first launch, I run a segue that takes you to the onboarding view controller. And on subsequent launches, I do a segue that takes you to the main nav controller. Thing. And is that all that Splash does? That is all the Splash does. Okay. It basically has some logic to determine which segue it should run on launch. Should it do the first run segue or should it do a subsequent run segue? And those segues are just doing like a crossfade dissolve. So on first launch, you know, you see the launch storyboard and then you get like a split second of this splash view controller before it segues through a nice fade to the onboarding and subsequently does the same to the main nav controller. Does that seem to make sense? Is there an alternative way to do that? There's definitely an alternative. It has advantages and disadvantages, but I think it might be better. 
Cool, give me the alternative. So what do you remember when storyboards first came out in your app delegate you had to basically load up the storyboard create a new window make it the view control the root view controller and then go make key invisible does that ring a bell vaguely i may have skipped that bit not use storyboards until I after that was i think it is like ios 5 6 early early on and yep. then a major yep. update came yep. out whether it was 6 7 can't remember uh, where they sort of did that for you before you got to app did finish launching with options, that method. And it used the storyboard yep. ID from your plist to load it up. So basically what you can do is you can just redo that old process. You don't have to remake the window, um, but you can just load either a different root view controller or an entirely different storyboard from your app delegate. You just go self.window.rootViewController equals whatever. So you could say storyboard instantiate view controller with ID onboarding or storyboard blah 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 with main and then it will load up the right one cool but do you even need to do both like could you not just uh in your in your did finish launching uh method could you just choose to run the onboarding storyboard when like when you actually want to do the onboarding and otherwise just let yeah that's uh, for sure like just keep your do it keep your arrow you. on the main one and then switch it out if it's onboarding yeah totally totally would yeah. work uh, that also would allow you to split the storyboard, which can be a good idea sometimes. So you could have a completely different storyboard yeah, for onboarding. Yeah, that would be nice. So like a separate – because that makes sense. It's unlikely to need to refer to views and things that are – Yeah, you just have to watch out when you um cancel it, but you can handle that. You have to load a new storyboard at the end of mm. your onboarding. Yeah, and switch back to the other. That's a nice way to do it. Could you? Could I still do my nice animated transition from the? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That just works between view controllers. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you also get that fade just coming from the launch thing anyway. So you'll get that by default, won't you? Yeah. So you won't need to. That's a nice approach. Fantastic. I'm so glad I asked you. <laughs> Second question is generalizing this even more. So I've run into this exact same scenario in other parts of apps as well, where you've got a view controller that um is the typical path, like you you want to modally present a view controller, for example, but you might have some logic where you need to have another view controller in certain circumstances. So a good one is like you're, you're wanting to do something that requires you to be logged in, and if you're not yet logged in, you might want to present a login view controller before continuing on to the one that you would have otherwise presented. Is, have you guys got a good approach to handling that situation? Because it feels like a specialization of the same thing, right? Where there's kind of two alternate paths. Yeah. And something I've done in the past is use a container view controller and have or have two container view controllers, one that contains the login view controller and one that contains the other one and just had some logic to determine whether the container view controller containing the login view controller should be visible or not. But that feels weird. It feels a bit like you know, a bit heavy that I've got this container view controller that's always there and just sometimes hidden. In fact, 99% of the time hidden. Jelly, you're looking at me like you're not quite sure the scenario I'm describing. No, I'm just trying to think of if, if anything that I can possibly, uh, that I've ever possibly done would be applicable to your storyboards. All right. <laughs> I think so. So the way, way I handle that normally is have a login view control. This is very specific to login, but you could apply the same technique. Yep. I have a login view controller that has either blocks or a delegate for success error, and you can just present it, and then it'll have in its delegate for did login, 
So you'll be back in the view controller that presented it will be some nice code to move on. And then it keeps the, keeps your sort of code contained in the right spot. You don't have to litter your login view controller with working out where it came from to know where to go next. If you get what I mean. Yep. I do. And in terms of presenting it, you would just have in the, um, a branch in your code. So say you're on a, I don't know, say it's a master detail view, but before you can select some detail, you need to log in. You'd have the on, on select code would have a branch in it to say, if not logged in, present. Yeah, depend, login view controller. tends to depend, rather to than depend on what the designer came up with. Like how they want that situation handled from a UX perspective then makes, informs how I decide to implement it. Yeah, like if you if you're going to go into a detailed view controller from like a table view or something, but in order to see that detail, they need to be logged in. So you need to present a login modally that comes up from the bottom, right? You would have in your in your table views did select table view cell in where you would normally just start the. Obviously, you probably magic that away with your storyboard segue stuff but you in that in that method you would basically say okay is the user logged in uh if they're not logged in then present the modal uh and then when the modal has been uh has been dismissed with like with success we're logged in yeah uh, then, we'll, then we'll present proceed. the thing and otherwise we'll uh, show like an error you have to be logged in for you know and then if they are already logged in then you just present the it's hmm. just a yeah yeah. So I think the the where I've run into this in the past is where I was wanting to modally present the detail view and potentially modally present the login view. Yeah. And sort of wanting to have the two presented simultaneously if a, the user's not logged in. Yeah, which doesn't and work. And then for the login to But yeah. you can't you can't present two things modally yeah. on top of each other. You would have to do Unless they're both Well, you can. It just has to be in a separate run loop. Yeah, well you and you got to you'd have to kind of work around it because you can't essentially have two modals on top of each other. It yeah. doesn't really work very well. No. Um so what you would have to do is fake it and uh I mean that's as simple as you present your login. So you present either your login or your detail view. Yeah. And if you're presenting your login, then what you do is when you go to dismiss it, instead of dismissing it just the regular way, you, you would screenshot it and move that screenshot down in, uh, in front and then just basically do a uh, non-animated yeah. uh, transition between the two view controllers and then you you know dismiss your you know modal view screen capture down the screen as if it was you know moving off the screen and voila. Hmm. Magic looks like a modal view has been dismissed. Cool. You can also maybe These it would are all work with um you could drop a view controller if the one you were presenting like your modal view was a nav controller, you could drop the login view into the start. Like you can mess with the the tree of your navigation controller. You can put view controllers wherever you want in it. So you could you could drop one right, in yep. at the start from your presentation in your first yeah, okay. view controller. Yeah. So then when you push into the your next view controller, I yeah, guess you could, remove the first one. Uh, you just remove the first one and yeah. you know uh, do it in a nice way so you don't get a back button. Cool. It's amazing how flexible this all is. Yeah, there's a million ways That's to solve whole. everything. Is you yeah. Can, yeah, you can solve so many things. And that's where, I guess, you know, that's why you get a lot of developers that have various styles. And yeah. I mean, that's why that's why I'm so, somewhat of the opinion that, you know, f- uh, functional programming isn't necessarily better than object-oriented. Thank you. Programming. Or orientated. Or orientated, <laughs> if that's your style as well. Uh, I, I think, like, I, I think it's just a matter of you do what you think what is right 
for your situation in the things that you need to actually get done and you know and what your you know there's always a thing of style as well yeah i feel like i i I think i must have a style and an approach but i feel like it changes a fair bit as i learn new things yeah for sure see the thing is that's that's a good thing right like uh, i mean if let's 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 put this into something else completely right into art so art if you when you start out when you start out drawing like your drawings are fairly rudimentary um they might be stick figures i'm still through, there mine are practice, still rudimentary okay through practice you can become more than that right yeah. and that's all it really takes is it just takes practice what you end up with then is that you you start to take on different styles and different uh, approaches to you know drawing things and that's how you get things that look like for instance uh superhero comics or you might get something that looks like you know, a Picasso or something that looks completely and utterly different. Like it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It's still mm. going to be art, and mm. I mean, it can look really terrible to some people, and it looks really good to others. The only difference between that and code is there is kind of like there is some limitations into how you do code. You can't just type a jumble of characters, but you can do it with start with you yeah. know set styles and. Yeah. That's how you can do coding with storyboards and I can do coding with my beloved maths and uh, we can get roughly the same results. Hey, speaking of storyboards. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Have I told you how much I love storyboards? I know you love storyboards and that's why we have to end. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I was going to tell you how much I love auto layout and storyboards and size classes. So if you would like to watch any of the videos that Ben suggested... Uh, then you can jump onto our website and uh, read our show notes. We'll also stick a lot of other stuff in there. There was so much from the first part of the episode. There's like videos and podcasts and other videos and maybe even a blog post. Robots. There were definitely robots involved. You can go onto our website. That's mobilecouch.co forward slash 57. And that's where all the links will be. And they'll shoot you off into the places that you want to go. You can also send us an email if you would like to, uh, you know, if you would like to watch any of the videos and then suggest your own favourites, you know, that we should be definitely checking out. Uh, you can do that by sending an email to either hello at mobilecouch.co or you can uh, jump onto the website, uh, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. If you would like to talk to us individually, you can also do that. Jake is on Twitter. That's J. M A C M U L L I N, J McMillan. Ben is Ben Trengrove, B E N T R E N G R O V E, and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you to all our patrons for supporting the show. It's really awesome of you. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye.